from One World Trade Center in Manhattan, overlooking dozens of golf courses that will never have us as members, this is the Golf Digest Podcast. Welcome to the Golf Digest Podcast. This is Sam Wyman, and I'm joined today by GolfDigest.com's Alex Myers, Joel Beal, and Ryan Harrington, and we're talking about the U.S. Open, the 116th National Open, and this year will be played at one of the great venues in all of golf, Oakmont Country Club outside of Pittsburgh, which will be hosting a U.S. Open for the ninth time. And uh, actually, one of our esteemed panel has recently played there, Ryan Harrington. Ryan, um, do you want to take us through the card? I have played, no. And it is as difficult as they all say. Uh, 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 I did not bring it to its knees by any means. And uh, you know, I did get a chance to play it just a few weeks ago, and uh, it was already in U.S. Open shape. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like uh, ne- uh, in the next couple days here. And uh, I think it's going to, you know, we're, we're getting back to a real U.S. Open. Last year at Chambers Bay wasn't a USJ mm-hmm. championship, really. It was kind of different. And, and we're going to have one where you better be in the fairway and you better be below the hole or, or you're not going to be below par. So. Ryan, so being on the grounds, a lot of it's being made of the different tree removal that's happened going in forth this year. Some of the photos are very jarring. Being actually on the grounds, does it strike you of, oh, my goodness, this looks like a totally different golf course, or is the integrity still of you know what most fans know Oakmont's still there? The integrity of the course is still there. I don't think the, the, the trees themselves were uh, an integral part of that by any means. Uh, it, it'll look different than it did in 2007. In 2007, it, it had you know a, a giant tree removal already. Uh, Ron Witten from Golf Digest reported that you know another 15,000 trees, I think, are out, or 15,000 trees total. Total. Have been taken out, and it, it, but what is interesting is you can stand at the clubhouse and you can see all the way on the other side of the property. You can see almost every hole from the clubhouse. Now there aren't trees in the way. Uh, the, the last uh, row of trees that was taken out was right along that highway that used to separate the, the two sides of the, the highway. Still separates the two sides, but but the trees helped block that out. So it's an amazing panoramic view. If you're in some of the hospitality areas, you're going to be able to see six, seven, eight different holes at a time. Um, so. It, it presents a different visual product there. I mean, it is a link-style course now, or at least that's the look to it. But I don't think any of those trees were an integral part of the course before, so I don't think it's really going to change the way anything is played. Maybe the that, wind. You know, there'll be more wind, but that'll be it. That's what I was going to ask, if, if that's going to change the way that the course is going to play. I mean, is the wind more of a factor now? Um, it, it seems like most of those, as Ron Witten wrote, most of those trees were you know superfluous how do you say that superfluous? word superfluous superfluous <laughs> yeah you got Let's me there. Def- make sure you definitely do not edit that yeah, part out no, please definitely not. Make sure. okay. one of those uh things my other question to you though ryan was you've played baltus roll augusta national and oakmont in the past year when are you playing troon side of this year's british open you know, that's on a need-to-know basis <laughs> right now uh <laughs> i have my people talking to the rna people and he hasn't uh, committed yet <laughs> we're gonna get that uh taken care of here shortly yeah yeah no no i've had an embarrassment of riches with my uh, rounds here and uh i uh, only hope that that's gonna make me uh, be a better writer from each of these majors it's yeah. very just anything for the craft yeah it's really <laughs> he's very dedicated you know, it's funny. I was at Oakmont in, in 07, and I, you know, it's hard to imagine they took that much more trees because it was pretty yeah. uh, barren, wouldn't be the word I would use, but it's not, it's definitely not this tree line golf course. It's not like a Wingfoot. Um, but you played there, right, Alex? Wingfoot? Wingfoot? I have. I have played a Wingfoot. Yeah. How, what was the circumstances? <laughs> Did, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Anyway. Joel is referring to when I broke off a golf date with him to go play the eighth best course in the country, something which I don't feel too upset about it. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a good day. 
<laughs> but um, you use the phrase links course. I think we should clarify. I don't think it's a links course. Certainly, maybe more so than before. You have to be aware of keeping the ball under the wind. But I mean, it's, it's not it's definitely not a play the ball on the ground type golf course. Correct. No, and, and, and yeah, it, that that would be a little bit misconstruing on my part by saying it's a links course. What you you still need to do is um, be able to. to hit aerial shots you've got to it's more target golf than a link style course would be because you still got to make sure you're in those fairways you can't uh, the recovery shot's going to be hard there's going to be a really thick rough there you're not going to be able to bounce the ball up uh, like you said uh, and then you know the short game is going to be critical there and you know it's a cliche uh to talk about it at these u.s open venues but at this one more than anyone else that i've attended uh, I really do think you're going to have to be able to play a lot of really delicate shots around the greens, and, and that's why I think a Jason Day, a, a Jordan Spieth, those kind of guys uh, have a shot because they've obviously shown uh, over the course of the last few uh, weeks, months, that their short games are, are still amongst the best in the world. We'd be remiss in not recalling that in addition to the fact that Angel Cabrera won the last U.S. Open at Oakmont. It was also the Open where Phil Mickelson withdrew uh, or mm-hmm. at, or with, missed the cut, uh, hurt his wrist earlier in the week, and then ended up missing the cut. And then said it was dangerous out there because the rough was so thick, which is extreme when talking about a golf course. But ended up being the case. I mean, it is it's a brutal golf course without any rough, just because the greens are so severely contoured. If you had to take a guess at the and looking at the field and this is the ultimate exercise in futility but if you had to look at the field and say who do you like in a, in a venue like this who would you say I, I think right now when you look at the the players that are on form right now uh jason day to me you know it's chalk but but at this point in time i really think he's got a tremendous advantage because he's he's driving the ball really well right now and so uh I think the precision of being in the fairway, you know, the, the golf course itself is only 7,200 yards. It's not a super long golf course. You don't have to be a bomber necessarily, but you got to be pretty precise on some of these holes. It, it was interesting when, when we came back from media day, I was telling you guys about how there's five or six holes that are less than 400 yards out there. And so there's some short par fours. Even the, the long par five 12th hole, 600 and something yards, you don't necessarily need to use a driver. It might not be the play to use a driver right. off the tee there. So length isn't what's going to be as important as accuracy. But the combination of the two, I really like where Jason Day is coming from right now because uh, I think that is going to really behoove him to be able to, to have that kind of skill at this kind of course. So just to be clear, you think it, it helps to be able to hit a two iron 290 yards? <laughs> do you think that's a good thing? You know, yeah. uh, my short, you know, I, I'm not allowed to do it. You know, I don't have that kind of skill. Right. But I've heard people who can do it play well and usually win big trophies. So, yeah. But the other thing, too, you know, the one that intrigues me about a guy who maybe this golf course could suit well is Dustin Johnson. And, you know, he's got some weird, uh, obviously, uh, last year, you know, he's got a lot of demons to, to, to overcome given what happened last year. And I don't think he's necessarily got the short game that's going to be suited for Oakmont, but you know, the way he drives the ball and the way he can get around a golf course, he might be able to overpower this one because, like I said before, you don't necessarily need the length, and he's got a little extra gear that might be able to help him. You know, the comparison, if I had to make a very superficial comparison to Phil Mickelson, who I talked about before, it would be Rory, only in the sense that when Phil in tournament golf, say, 10 years ago, was quote-unquote feeling it, there was no one better, and when he wasn't feeling it, he sort of had this ability to check out, and that's sort of been the knock against Rory is that when he's everything's clicking for him, he's undoubtedly the best player in the in the game. But when he's faced with a you know spell of resistance of some sort, he he doesn't seem like he has the ability to grind it to the same extent. Is that first of all is that a, is that a fair assessment? Do you think? And and where do you put his chances? 
I definitely think that is a fair assessment, you know, uh, uh, and and I w- I'm the camp that you are in terms of saying that uh, their best games, Jordan, Rory, Jason Day at the same time, I would probably pick Rory, but boy, the way Jason Day has been playing of late, I, I wonder now if I've got to change that mindset because I agree with you. Um, there's a there's a gear that he has that when he's focused and ready, uh, this is Rory, he's going to play well, and I, I think he'll play well at a venue like this. But sometimes he does want to check out, and maybe he's not into it as much. And um, you know, I was I'm surprised to think that the mental fortitude uh, might be not uh, as strong as I, I thought it would be. And and this golf course, this golf course is going to be a mental test as much as anything else. And if you're not ready to play and not ready to accept the par is your, your friend kind of a mentality, mm-hmm. you might as well not show up. It is funny. We've talked about McElroy's inconsistency, you know, a narrative some of us have even wrote about. Rory has won a U.S. Open before. I think people are, you know, discounting the fact that, you know, this guy does have four majors on his pocket. Granted, Congressional is a totally different setup that year than what he's going to see at Oakmont. To me, it's going to come down to – Alex pointed out how he made the great putting strides at Memorial last week, his best performance we've seen in the pro ranks, from, especially after going back to uh, going back to the right-hand high putting grip. Um, anyway, I think what comes down to McIlroy, though, is keeping the ball in the fairway. We saw at Augusta when things went south on Saturday. The ball was just all over the place off the tee. If Rory has any ambitions, he's. I think you'll see a lot of three-woods off him in terms of, you know, you mentioned Day keeping the driver in the bag. I think, Rory, that's going to be his key as well. I think you'll see only maybe two or three drivers a day from him if he has any aspirations of competing. And I think Spieth right now, I mean, that's the big question mark. Uh, funny because those uh, new uh, shot link stats suggest he's a better driver than we figure. But, uh, boy, I haven't necessarily seen it over the course of the last few weeks. And I think if he – if he has the ball striking or the poor driving that he had saved from Colonial here over the last couple months, I'm not. I'm not sure. Even with that great short game I was just talking about, I'm not sure if he's gonna how, how much he's gonna factor. Gee, I don't know. I mean, I think that more than anyone, he's the best position to compete just purely on mindset alone. Like you said, because let's assume that Oakmont by definition means you're gonna be off your game. It means that you just no one is gonna play traditionally, you know, by the standard definition well. Well, who's who has the best ability to grind out a score of that group? I would say it's it's Jordan Spieth. So even if he is hitting it sideways, or you know, for him sideways, uh, I just see him being part of the mix. I got to get caught up here on all this big three talk. Uh, yes, Jordan Spieth. Say what you will about how he's played this year, which by the way he has played great. He's won twice, and he's had you know a runner up at the Masters. And if it hadn't been the way it happened, we would be praising the year that he's had so far but again he has nearly won the last five major championships and that is just you can't forget about that when you're making these picks you just have to assume that in the biggest event this guy is going to rise to the occasion and get in the mix Um, as for Rory McIlroy the question for me is the putter yes he switched back to the conventional grip yes he had the best performance of his PGA Tour career at least statistically last week Uh, at Memorial but if something goes awry a little in the first round does he start to think should I go back to the left hand low or or, you know there's just going to be so much questions for him and these greens are insane we talk about the you know the no trees at this course and the rough but it's the greens that really guard this course I remember watching this I wasn't there in person but I remember watching this event in 2007 and the reason why Angel Cabrera won on that Sunday was he happened to hit two or three approach shots to kick in range. Now, those are mm-hmm. great shots, but Tiger hit just as many good shots 
they stayed six, seven, eight feet away, and you had no chance of making the putts. You, mm-hmm. you, you literally have to have a gimme to convert putts on these greens. So that's how tough the greens are. And going back to Sam's point, that's why I would lean towards Spieth or even Day, who leads the tour in strokes game putting right now, over Rory at this point. Although I am the sucker who bet on Rory uh, at 8-1 to one odds. Do you think anybody beyond – I mean, we talk about the big three, and, and, and rightfully so. They're all playing very well at this point in time. But I, I struggle actually trying to find an outsider that I really think I can take seriously. Have yeah. you guys – you know? I, I think yes. Like it's as we sit here, we're always going to gravitate towards yeah. the same names because that's just nature. But invariably, there's going to be the this year's equivalent of Angel Cabrera, great player. Don't get me wrong. Angel Cabrera at that point in his career was a uh, probably yeah. a top twenty five, yeah. top thirty player in the world. But but you know, there's going to be someone in that mix who's just going to have a lights out week putting. You're absolutely right about the putting thing. Actually, Matt Rudy on our staff did uh, something this week where he talked to a former. Oakmont Club champion, and you know the, the foregone conclusion is you have to putt really well. But it's interesting is that it's like it's not just the twenty-five footers for birdie. It's not even the six footers. He's even saying like the two the or two, three yeah, footers. Yeah, you need are like side hill lines. Yeah. they're nervous. Like some of these guys are going to have these you know embarrassing type yeah. three putts because it's just inevitable there. So. I do think part of it is just the ability to to move past that. Definitely. Uh, hopefully, Ernie Els will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> not even sure if he's going to Yeah, I bet Ernie Els is actually going to putt well. Because there's such low expectations, maybe. My my guy who I had outside the big four until now, of course, he has a back injury is Justin Rose. He you know, quietly finished T10 here back in 2007. Of course, he won at Marion a few years ago, so mm-hmm. he is a U.S. Open champ. Um, big fan of the Keystone State. Yeah, uh, b- big fan. Uh, you know, he's a guy who who I I had him in our unofficial rankings as our number four guy until the back injury, so I dropped him way down the list. But you know, there are of course you know, and then when we talk about this when it's over, you know, just like the Masters when Danny Willow went, oh sure, he was the eleventh mm-hmm. ranked player in the world. Of course, he could have won. You know, so th- th- any of these guys can. It does seem like we're due, though, doesn't it? In terms of, like, it's probably been since Webb Simpson, a guy who wasn't really inside the top 20. Yeah. yeah, When you think about it, I mean, even probably Duffner, but even then he was, I knew he was still, I mean, he was still a top five, you know, he was not the top five player at the time, but he, you know, recently off that that mark. But it just seems like we're due for not a no name, but someone off off the top echelon. I always go back to my first year covering professional golf in all four major championships in the same year. It was Mike Weir, who, oh, Jim Furyk. Then it gets even better. Yeah. Ben Curtis, Sean McKeel. That was what I knew about major championship golf at that right. point. And we've had we've been really spoiled. I mean, yeah. our last mate, you know, Danny Willett would would be the quote unquote dud in the group, but it's been a very strong run. But that's you know that's major golf. You're going to have a run of quasi no names who are going to you know going to pick off a couple of these. Yeah, and if you look back at 2007, I know Ryan mentioned uh, Oakmont is not one of the longer courses for these guys. Uh, 7,200 yards. Par 70, he mentioned that there are five holes under 400 yards. There are five holes, uh, five par fours that are over 475 yards also. So you you have this nice mix. But if you look at that final leaderboard, you had names like David Toms, Scott Verplank. Um, who else was up there? Uh, Jerry Kelly. Sure. They were all in the top ten there. And, um, yeah, sure, Cabrera was a bomber. Tiger was a bomber. But, and, but you also mentioned Jim Furyk. He was there too. And. Um, he's another guy, actually. By the way, I'm a little intrigued by. I, I know he's. I know he's come back from the yeah. wrist injury. He's played four events. He's missed the cut twice. But this is his event, and this is his home sure, event. Sure, sure. And I saw he's he's 80 to one right now. 
you know, Always that might be a long. Uh, that's that's how I look at it. <laughs> I, I'm looking for the value there. He he could be a, an outsider to to make some noise. Yeah, I mean, the biggest question with him was just like the amount of competitive reps he's had right. this year. But yeah, absolutely. It's, it's certainly from mentality standpoint, has the right mindset for a term like this. Then there's the whole intangibles about playing in your home and all that. So, plus he's got he, he, he's playing with house money. You know, he, yeah. He, 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 Nobody's expecting him to do well. Right, yeah. He's got all those built-in excuses. That's a good, that's not a bad little flyer there. I like that. Yeah. Do, uh, Phil Mickelson, any shot? Hmm. None. None. No, I take that back because I just said that he definitely has, he a, has a shot. But. He has a shot. He's. Um, I, I'm stunned. I was looking at some of the putting stats the other day. He's actually fifth, I believe, in strokes game putting on the PGA Tour this year. So this is about as well as he's ever putted. Um, he still has the length. Something about him, he 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 makes. I know it didn't happen last year for him at Chambers Bay, but it does seem like he just pops up on the leaderboard at the, sure. at the U.S. Open, and and he knows he's running out of chances. If he if he wins this year, he would be the oldest player to win the U.S. Open. He would break Hale Irwin's record by a few months or something. Mm-hmm. So would Jim Furyk, by the way. But you know, I, I don't think of him as really that old right now. He's a, he's a young forty-five. Wouldn't you say? He's got energy. Absolutely. I mean, he made a whole point in the Masters saying that the way he swings the golf club, right? he has greater longevity or he has a potential right. for greater longevity. He doesn't really show his age other than I think maybe his his interest in grinding week to week is not what it once was. Right. But I, certainly he's motivated to win this. I do think, you know, joking aside, the fact that I think relative to last year and at Pinehurst as well, he's coming in, quote unquote, under the radar a little bit. So. Well, except for that whole... SEC well, investigation. Yeah, that's, that, he, is, that, he is allowed that, to play, right? That, con- not, not that contributes to him being below the radar. I think. Okay. By by rule, guys who have SEC <laughs> investigations tend to play well. That's a look okay. at the stats. Yeah. Um, did have right no- next to shot link on the PJ Tour. So he did actually have a few you know, moments of uh, you know a few moments at Muirfield. First and second round was on the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt not you know was there on the weekend. Um, fell apart a little bit Saturday Sunday, but you know not. Game's not totally off right now. Um, you do wonder. We like to think Mickelson's one of the cerebral guys out there, for better or for worse. And you wonder how much of the last time he was at Oakmont will play into his, you know, worries. If he gets in the rough, does he all, all of a sudden think, "Oh man, this could"? Yeah. I have to watch what happens here. This could be, you know, career-threatening injury. You know, someone to him. So. Yeah. And it, yeah, this is maybe the only U.S. Open venue where he has never done anything. I mean, he, it, all yeah. his close calls, the six runner-ups, they've they've come elsewhere, but. Yeah, he's had four top fives this year. He's shown some flashes. I think he's missed a bunch of cuts, but I don't think he cares about these events. I mean, you know, if it's not a major anymore, I don't really think he cares. So I don't, he almost don't even count some of those events. I think he'll he'll come to play. I do too, because I just think this is the one event. I mean, if yeah. you think about it, he gears himself for the four majors, and now he's got to gear himself for this one. He's yeah. running, the odometer's running here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who knows what Aaron Hills is going to be like, whether that's going to really be a venue for him. And then after that, He's going to get maybe too old at, at some of these venues. So I just think the window is closing, and this is a golf course that maybe he's had some you know bad uh, mojo at in the past, but there's a lot of U.S. Open venues that that's been the case, and, and I think he can overcome that. And, and as long as he can focus, um, I do think he's going to be a factor, actually. So let me ask you guys a question, because you're, we're in this crazy year where we have five, if you count the Ryder Cup, we have six majors, so it's just – so you have you have the Masters, which we all know what that is. We have the Open at Oakmont, which is the quintessential U.S. Open venue. Then you go to Troon, then you go to Baltusrol, then the Olympics. Of those events, which one do you, as a as a golf fan, look forward to the most? This one, Oakmont, for sure. I mean, you are an Open. You love the Open. I love the U.S. Open. I, I actually am one of the few people who like it more than the Masters. I know that's tough to 
here mm. for some people. But I, I love it. I love the struggle. And this course, along with Wingfoot, are probably the two courses that bring out the most struggle. You know, I mean, Angel Cabrera won this event at plus five, mm-hmm. uh, which also Jeff Ogilvie won at Wingfoot at plus five. And that, those are the two highest scores in the last 40 years at the U.S. Open. So um, I like when the scoring is tough. I like seeing the guys struggle, and Oakmont is probably the best uh, example of that. And, 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 I mean, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful-looking course. Um, trees or no trees, wh- whatever. I mean, you, you got the, the church pews and, and everything else. It, it's a, it's a great-looking course. My, so it's interesting to say that because my one beef with the U.S. Open has always been the guy. It's just perpetually guys moving backwards. That said, the great, which you like, two yeah. thumbs up, the, the thing that, that is great about Oakmont is there's a drivable part part yeah. four, the 17th hole. So it's the penultimate hole. So for all of the backwards, you can make a move late, which is all you want, really. Like, So you want that, you want the ability for someone to make a birdie late and have a chance to win. That, again, that goes back to the five par fours under 400. You can make birdies. I, I agree. That That's, again, like we said before, though, you have to hit it tight to probably make, to convert the putts, but you're going to have the opportunity. And you mentioned that drivable par four. That's what cost Jim Furyk totally. the title. Yeah. He went. He tr- tried to drive the green. He made a bogey. He missed the. He missed out by one shot. So yeah, I I, I think there's more excitement at this, uh, you know, versus the typical, you know, hack it out of the rough, tough par four layout for you know a, uh, for U.S. Open. I think you have more opportunities here to see some scoring and, and some excitement. Joel, where do you fall on this in terms of like, where does the Open rank for you as a golf fan? Definitely the strongest field, and there is something when you – all the open venues, you're never disappointed. I think sometimes when you look at what the PGA Championship goes, it's not necessarily bad courses, but a step below what an open venue is. Um, and as great as the British Open is in terms of history, some of those, I feel like, if it's not in Scotland, it almost takes a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, the Masters, for me, is, is still the, the paramount of golf, not only um, not only because of the, the property and the tournament and all the history there, but I also feel like there's some romanticism in terms of it's beginning with spring. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it always coincides. My dad and I, every year, would go down to practice rounds. So there's some sentimentality there. Um, but by no means is U.S. Open. It's not It's not necessarily a bad silver medal. Right. I think this year it's the U.S. Open for me. Uh, I, I've enjoyed going to the British Open and covering it, uh, and, and I've uh, taken to – the uh, the quaintness of, of being over there and the kind of the different style of golf and whatnot. But this year at Oakmont uh, and getting a chance to humble brag, getting a chance to play it and see what that golf course really is all about. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how these pros handle it this week because you know nine times it's hosted the U.S. Open. It's is is uh, connected to the USGA as any golf course for the U.S. Open uh, as there is. And um, I think from that standpoint, it's going to be the most like the Masters, if you will. The mm-hmm. USGA's venue at this place. H- how do they handle? How do the guys handle it? What's the weather going to be like? You know, that's another variable here too. Um, I- I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen next week. It's worth noting what we think that the, it's going to. There's rain in the forecast for next week, which I suppose bodes well as long as it's not obviously a washout. But bodes well for players. It should be Rory. softer, more accessible. Right? You mentioned, of course, him winning a congressional. Congressional was was really soft that week. Kiowa as well. Kiowa was, mm-hmm. I think even Valhalla was, was soft yeah. as well yeah, oh, yeah. when he won. So that's kind of always been the knock against Rory was that um, if he's going to win on a you know a traditional American course like that, it's got to be super soft. You know, That said, I think people would, would say that Oakmont, 
you know, the true test of Oakmont is, you know, hard and fast, especially now because it's really, um, you know, it's really exposed to the elements more so. So if it's soft, it would just seem, I think it would take a little bit away from it. Which one thing you mentioned exposed, it, you know, people are mentioning, obviously, in terms of aesthetics, but another, I think, upshot of that is it seems like the rough is a little bit deeper because there's more sunlight. I think some of the photos we, we've seen already, man, you know, obviously it has this reputation of some of the deepest rough in the game, but now without as much tree cover, it's a little thicker, it's a little harsher. I think you're really, more more so than years past, I think you really look at as if you go in the rough, it's really a one-shot penalty. That's, and that goes back to, like, my question before about, well, you know, whether we like the Open the most. The the great criticism of U.S. Open Manuals, that's actually why I like Chambers Bay, um, while it was goofy, but at least it was there was room for creativity and taking chances. It is a little boring though when a guy hits it hits it astray and then has to just chop back in the fairway. I think that you know the great cliche is that the most exciting shot in golf is the recovery shot, and so if you have really thick rough, um, the chances of seeing anything like that is is gone, especially because no one's going to want to take on a green, like a, you know go to Oakmont and and go at a green from a you know from a flyer lie. Um, and be on the wrong side of a hole or something like that. So you're just going to see a lot of guys missing fairways, chopping back at, and then wedging, hopefully wedging on in three or something like that. Just right up your alley, right, Alex? That, that's my game. That's I like it. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's what you want to see as much as And I it is. To. It is what I want to see. Yeah. I, I, I don't. So what? It's a different. It's different than what we see the rest of the year. So when you're watching, you see bogeys. Do you start I, smiling love to it. yourself? Like love it. It's all. It's all. I mean, it's all relative to it's like, who's you know, like who you're pulling for. And all of us, right. even though we're journalists, we're right. pulling for right. a storyline. So, I mean, if if the right guy um, makes a, a mess of bogeys on the down the stretch, you like that because yeah. you know you're again not we wish ill on anyone, but you're always rooting for a storyline or something to surface. And sometimes you need certain guys to go away. But, and, but, and admittedly, in 2007, I was rooting for Tiger Woods, and he was playing with Aaron Baddeley. Yes, and he I was, triple yes. bogeyed that first hole and. Man, I was that was fun. You thought that sorry, was amazing. sorry, Aaron. Yeah, <laughs> but, sorry. That was, but that was fun. I liked it, dude. All of a sudden, everybody was back in it. Yeah, and that, that I, can I, happen. I think the USGA likes it too. As, as much as we all say, "Oh, boring golf," or uh, you know, backwards moving or whatnot, um, I do think this is what the USGA wants to see from the standpoint of. They want to see this be the ultimate test of golf. But that's my question: Is it the ultimate test? I do. Th- I think it is. I do. Uh, from a standpoint of. Um, not only can you drive the ball well, can you hit a recovery shot? Can you, are you willing to take the risk of hitting a recovery shot? Are you, can you putt well? Can you chip well? More than anything, can you not be so overwhelmed by everything as to just mentally totally lose it? Uh, I, I mean, in talking to Mike Davis about the way he tries to set up these golf courses, I am always taken aback by the idea that in the back of his mind, he's really trying to figure out what's inside a guy's head. Mm-hmm. So let and, me – okay, go ahead. And, and, and if, if a guy is ready to call himself a champion, can he handle mentally the, the, the issue as much as physically? So let me ask you a question because we have a pretty good measurement right here, which is that last year Jordan Spieth won the Masters and won the US Open, and he had a chance to win the next two. Won the, which was, of those first two – which was the more impressive display of golf? The more insp- uh, the Masters, in my right. mind. Well, that's my point. My point is, is that that was a, a player showcasing his game, showcasing his talent as the best player in the world. Uh, that doesn't mean that he was the that's that that showed me that he was the best golfer. Though it was a more impressive display of golf, but I don't necessarily think that that meant that he was the he showed himself to be head and shoulders the best golfer. 
mm-hmm. and and taking the entire equation into context there mentally. I mean, think about what he had to do. And, and granted, Dustin Johnson played a gigantic part in what he had to sure. do to win that tournament. But he hung in there mentally after essentially hit you know blowing a couple shots at the end that looked like he was out of it. And and he hung tough. And when the opportunity was there, he seized it. And that, to me, showed showed me a lot. There's no question that's impressive. I guess I would make the case that it's a sort of it's a it's a subset of impressive golf. It's not like it's not traditional golf. It's your ability to do one thing really well. It's like the diff, you know it's the, the the difference between running a hundred meters and a marathon. Like both are great, but which one's who's the faster runner? You would say you know it's that's the it's the same type of comparison. So, right. It depends what as, you know aspect of the game you focus on. I mean Ben Hogan used to beg the USGA to raise the rough and tighten the fairways right. because he knew he would drive it in the middle of the fairway right. and he would hit the green still. So, you know, and that's the old hit fairways and greens. That's how you win a U.S. Open. I mean, if if that's how you're measuring uh, your golf game, then it is the best test. But, you know, to be fair, if you want to bring the other aspects in, then maybe some of the other venues are, are, are a little better for that. And, you know, if you want to see scoring or – or whatnot. But I don't know. I think it's great. I no, I mean, exciting. obviously, the fact that we're even talking about it shows yeah. that we're all enthusiastic about chocolate it. Chocolate or vanilla. That's chocolate or vanilla. All ice cream is pretty good. So. <laughs> good point. Good point. Well, uh, that's all I have. Anything else? Final thoughts before we head out of here? 18-hole playoff? Ugh, no. That Def- is not no. good. Definitely not. Yeah, we're, I think we're all in agreement on that and i think yeah. like to that point is like i think the usga is just digging in its heels like because yeah. it's i mean i have no idea so I, i'm saying this you've talked to mike davis about this more than i have but i think it's one of those things that because they know no one likes it they're saying well that's we're gonna stick with it i, I think there's a little bit of that there yeah uh, you're onto something there I, they don't want it's like the mirrorfield not letting them dictate uh what we do the media dictate what they do right exactly no i, I yeah that that's the one stand on tradition that uh, does boggle my mind a little bit because they've switched it with every other championship they've had. Every major championship is switched off of that. Um, maybe it's for the convenience in television or convenience of fans, but those two conveniences aren't a small thing, and I don't think it really alters uh, the championship all that much. Just me. Does that mess up the media day, the next day? Totally. It does. Yeah. yeah is no. it gone then? Does it disappear? Uh, I do believe they would go. They would, I'm asking they would you because you're, you're. I was very nervous that the Masters was going <laughs> to go into Monday because that would have ruined a media day for somebody here, definitely. That yes. would have been but a tragedy. That, that would, yeah, I, yeah. I would have, I literally would have cried yeah. in the press room <laughs> and that would have been embarrassing. But mm-hmm. um, no, I, 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 think, I think it could hurt Oakmont's media day too. So let's all hope that we don't have that 18 hole. It's worth noting that the last, I think the women's U.S. Open, U.S. Women's Open, no longer has an 18-hole playoff. And the last 18-hole playoff, if I'm not mistaken, in the Women's Open was 2006 at Newport Country Club where a whole bunch of golf writers had a chance to play the next day, and then that was completely washed out because of the Pat Hurst Monica mm. Sorenstam playoff. So one of the great missed <laughs> golf days ever. Thanks to Alex Myers, Joel Beal, and Ryan Harrington for joining us on this week's Golf Digest podcast. We're very much looking forward to the 116th U.S. Open at Oakmont Country Club. And we'll be covering it uh, wall-to-wall, so please check GolfDigest.com often. Also, don't miss our special U.S. Open offer. You can get Golf Digest for 12 months for just $10 plus a valuable bag, ball markers, and instant access to the 100 Greatest Golf Courses Guide. For more information, go to subscribe.golfdigest.com.